I believe that tonight, although this might be the one night that we get to be in this room, I believe that you and I can get a glimpse of what God wants to do in this youth ministry. Do you want to know what I pray for? I pray that this sanctuary would be full of teenagers seeking God. I believe there's going to come a day in this church where every seat in this room is going to be filled with a teenager. Whether I'm here or not, there's coming a day where we are going to see the Holy Spirit break out in this ministry. But while I'm here, I say, do it, Lord. Do it. There's no reason why we can't pack this place out with teenagers. Why? What's the point of filling this room? Is it to look good? Is it to say, look at us? Is it to beat another church in attendance? No. It's because with one full seat here, there's one less life being lost out there. And I love students, and I love you guys with all of my heart. And I love your friends, the friends I've yet to meet, the friends that you've yet to invite. I get that summer. This, this has nothing to do with tonight. I just feel this. I believe this summer, there's no reason for us to dwindle in numbers. I get vacation. Go on vacation. Go. Go have fun at Disney. Go wait in line for eight hours. Enjoy that. Go buy a new set of ears or wherever it is you go on vacation to the beach, to Florida, right? But I truly believe this summer, God wants to disciple us and God wants to speak to us and prepare us for what we're gonna see in the fall. I believe come the fall, this youth ministry is gonna see exponential growth. And so we can pray and ask God for growth, right? I can say, God, fill this room all I want. The question is, if God actually answered that prayer, would you and I be ready? Would we be ready for the growth? This summer, we're going to be getting ready. We got some really fun events happening. Summer nights is back. We're going to release that schedule and maybe the return of Jersey night. Maybe the return of Christmas in July. It's going to be a great time. You guys ready to get into God's word? Who's got their Bible waving at me tonight? Come on, who's got their Bible? I love it. Let's stand for God's word. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. We are in Psalm 63. You leave it up there. In a series called Better Than Life. And there's a key to living a better than life, life here in this passage. It's only 11 verses, and we've been going verse by verse in expository preaching, breaking down each verse to discover what God is trying to tell us. So let's read. We're going to read all 11 verses. Y'all ready for this? If you're ready, say, uh-huh. uh-huh. If you got to say, oh, yeah. Here we go. Oh, God. You are my God. Early will I seek you. 
My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. Lord, they shall fall by the sword. We had one more, my bad. They shall be a portion for jackals, but the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory, but the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, thank you for your word. It sets us free. It gives us insight in your heart. So tonight, God, as we discover what it is that is better than life, speak to us. This is your word, not mine. I didn't write it. I didn't create it. So don't allow me to preach it in a way that you didn't intend it to, God. Please move on our hearts because if not, this is a waste of time. But because your presence is here, everything can change. So do it tonight, God. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Amen. Give your neighbor a high five. You can be seated. Tonight is part two. Go ahead and throw that slide up. Tonight's part two. Say part two. I'm going to go through this quick. I feel God's presence here. And I'm usually not that much of a crybaby. But I sense, I, I, I blame Pastor Joey. Ever since I've been around him, he'd be crying a lot. I'm like, it's just rubbing off on me. Psalm 63, we get insight on the writer whose name is David. A lot of us know who David is because he's the young shepherd boy who killed Goliath. Y'all know that story? It's a pretty pretty awesome story. We also know David as king, as a king. Psalm 63 comes from a very hard place in David's life. The, the, the studiers and the theologians and scholars believe that Psalm 63 was written in what they call the wilderness years of David. The wilderness here. Say wilderness. If you notice the theme in the video, it's a desert. The wilderness, Judah, the Judean wilderness, it's desert. It's dry. David is on the run. Now they say he's either on the run from King Saul, who is trying to take his life through pride and jealousy in his own blindness to God's anointed 
or he's running for his life from his son, Absalom, who is rebelling against his own father because he thinks he can do a better job. Either way, David is in the wilderness. Say wilderness. And a literal cry from his heart comes out of his mouth. No doubt. The notes and the chords and the melody that come from his heart are shaped and formed through tears coming from his eyes. Sunburnt cheeks, dry and chapped lips. David, instead of complaining, which we kind of see some of those songs, instead of questioning God, instead of being angry with God, which some people would say he has every right, even some of his followers, a praise comes out of his mouth. I don't know about you, but whenever I find myself in a pretty desert place, the last thing that I want to do is sing a song, let alone a song that I'm not really feeling. A song that emotionally I'm just not attached to because I can sing about water, but if I'm in a desert, ain't no water. But David finds himself satisfied tonight by something that has sustained him through his reign and his rule. And so when I read Psalm 63, I asked myself, what is the secret? Because we all find ourselves in desert times, right? We all find ourselves in in situations and moments and seasons of our lives where we just feel lost in the wilderness. Can I just be real? We feel lost. We We feel stranded. We feel like we're wandering. Here comes David, and he gives us the secret to not just surviving in the wilderness, but thriving in the wilderness. Tonight, last week, we went through verse 1 and 2. Tonight, we're going to get a little bit more. Can, can, we, can we go a little bit more? We're going to go through verse 3 through 6. And tonight is very important. Because tonight is where we get the title of our series, Better Than Life. The life that David is living right now is horrible. It's not good. It sucks. He didn't sign up for it. But he says these words. He says, because your loving kindness is better than life. Because your loving kindness is better than life. What's better than life? His what? I'm going to need you to talk back to me to make sure you're awake. We're going to go line by line. The reason why I'm going line by line is I'm trying to teach you how to read the Bible. Because a lot of us like to read big old paragraphs and big old stories. And then we ask ourselves, what was that about? And then you have no idea. So when you read the Bible... I want you to do what we're doing tonight and in this series is I want you to go word for word. Just take one line and say, God, what are you trying to say in this line? So the first line we see in verse three, because your loving kindness is better than life. This is the reason why David was so motivated to pursue God. 
It's the loving kindness of God. He's not saying here that that God's love really is devaluing his life. He's not saying like, God, your love is everything and my love is nothing. And my life means nothing. That's not, that's not what he's saying when he says your loving kindness is better than life. You know, life is filled with people who love someone or something more than their own life, right? Like some of y'all love puppies. You see a puppy and you just want to die, right? That's Pastor Ariel. Like something is so, you too, something is so cute that it just, you just want to die. I don't know. Like my mom, whenever she sees my, my daughter, Dottie, she sees her granddaughter. I don't know what it is about moms, but when they see like a cute baby, they want to bite it. Right. Isn't that weird? Mom, that's weird. If you're watching, that's weird. Stop biting people. But we all kind of love something more than ourselves. I love Dottie way more than myself. I love Pastor Ariel more than myself. We all kind of find ourselves loving something than their own life. But that's not what David is singing here. David meant that the love of God to him was more precious than his own life. This isn't saying that your life has no value or doesn't matter in the light of his love. No, this is saying that God, your love is so valuable and precious that nothing in my life compares to it. Nothing in my life compares to your love. So here's a question that I want to ask you. What in your life is better than God's love? What in your life is better than God's love? Now, you can sit there and say nothing. And I will stand here and say, Cap. Because you and I have a tendency to love things more than God. I love God's love. Why? Because it was freely given to me. Because I made a mistake and that mistake separated me from God. But he sent his son to love me. But yet we do it, right? We love things more than God. We love our Xbox more than we love God. Okay. It's true. Right? Right? We love our girlfriend more than we love God's love. You think about the love of your girlfriend more than the love of God for you. Or boyfriend. Do you know the greatest thing my wife could tell me? The greatest thing my wife can tell me is, babe, I love God more than you. And you know what I say? Well, good, because I love him more than you do. (laughs) And in that, God strengthens us. So I'm not saying by this, actually, I want you to write that question down. What in your life is better than God's love? And I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to be honest. Because David says, Your loving kindness is better than life. Your love is better and more precious than anything. What in your life is better than God's love? You see, when we accept God's love, we also take on his value. So what this verse is not saying, once again, is, God, your love is everything and my life is nothing. No, no, no. That's not, that's not what David is singing here. When we accept God's love, we take on that value. If his love is the most valuable thing to us, precious and rare, then when we accept his love 
that makes us precious and that makes us rare. It makes us valuable, so valuable, so rare, so precious that he would send his only son to restore the relationship he once had. That's how precious his love is. And when you accept his love, that love wraps around you. So when God sees you, he doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your addiction. He doesn't see the way you think and talk about people. When you accept God's love, he sees his son Jesus. The most precious, the most valuable thing. What in your life is better than God's love? You see, the enemy wants to trick you into thinking that your value is in other things. But your true value your true rarity can only come from the love of God as he wrapped his arms around you. Let's, let's go into the next part of that verse. Go ahead and show us what's next. He says, he says, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. In light of David's experience, in light of being in the wilderness, He's experiencing God's great love. And not just experiencing it, but he's vocalizing it. He's determined to vocally praise God. David thought that he would be ungrateful and rude not to praise and thank the God who loved him so greatly. He's like, God, you've done so much for me. I wouldn't be here had it not been for you. My parents wouldn't have made it had it not been for you. What David is doing is he's remembering. He's remembering all that God has done in his life. And, and as it stirs inside of him, he can't help but vocally praise God. So here's another slide. What comes out of your mouth matters. You ever walked into a room and and you can kind of sense that like they were talking kind of like bad. Yeah. You just sense it. Yeah. Like you can tell like they were talking about somebody. One, because you can almost see it on their face too. Like, especially like you ever walked into a room and they were talking about you? Right? Hmm, some friends, right? Something about our words can create or destroy atmosphere. That's why when we pray, I want to encourage you to pray out loud. Because what you're doing is you're creating atmosphere. Your words, your praise fills the room and God can't help but respond. And so when we think about his word we and his, his awesomeness and his love, we can't help but respond. And then when he hears us, he can't help but respond to us. What comes out of your mouth matters. What comes out of your mouth on a daily basis? Some of y'all be cussing. Some of y'all be cussing. Like, well, it's not hurting anybody. Well, it's not helping either. I would rather the things come out of my mouth be beneficial to the people around me. Do you know what complaint and gossip does 
to a youth ministry, to the house of God, or to your life, it puts graffiti on it. When, when we encourage one another, we decorate. It blesses somebody. When we discourage and when we speak negatively, what comes from our lips that's not edifying, you know what we do? We take a can of spray paint and we vandalize. Do you know that you could vandalize the house of God verbally? Do you know that you can vandalize your parents' marriage verbally? Do you know that you can vandalize your mind verbally? What comes out of your mouth when you, when you talk about yourself? What comes out of your mouth when you talk about your siblings? I'm here to tell you what comes out of your mouth. It matters. Say it matters. So David, instead of saying, I'm in the wilderness, this sucks, you abandoned me, I hate everyone. It's pretty easy to say that. Say, no, I want to praise him. What would make David do this? What would get him to this place? Where instead of complaining, he's worshiping? It's inward remembrance. Inward remembrance should spark outward praise. Inward remembrance should spark outward praise. One of my favorite psalms says, if I were to recite all of your deeds, I would never come to the end of them. What is he saying here? God, you have been so good to me. Blessing after blessing after blessing. Help after help after help. And every time I think about all you've done, I can't help but worship you. I can't help but thank you. And I'm just not going to internalize it. I'm not just going to sing the song inside. I'm going to bless you out loud. If I'm on the bus and I think about God's goodness, I'm going to sing. If I'm at school and I'm walking down the hallways and I think about God's goodness, I'm going to let God know that I'm thankful for him. What comes out of your mouth matters because inward remembrance should spark outward praise. So David's response was to bless the Lord. Say bless the Lord. He's blessing the Lord. So let's go. Next line. He says thus. I like thus. Some of y'all should like use that in your daily vocabulary. Thus I will bless you as I live. I will bless you. David did not mean this in the sense that he was a greater person trying to like bless a lesser person. No. David meant this in the sense that it is blessed and honorable and he's blessing God and he's honoring God and it blesses God and it honors God when his children worship and praise him. God just doesn't sit on his throne and be like, yes, worship me. God is not King Julian from Madagascar, okay? King Julian, baby, right? He's not like, just worship me, all Maurice, right? (laughs) You know, that's not God. He's not like, I just want all this attention. I'm amazing. I'm great. But it honors him. And it blesses him. How many of you guys like compliments? Everybody should be like, no one, like, as much as you want to be emo and be like, no, I don't like compliments. Like, no, everybody likes to be complimented. Everyone likes to be complimented. I, at some point, am going to compliment your hair. 
I notice hair more than anything else. When you get a haircut, I notice it. When Zoe changes her hair every other day, I come JV on Sunday, one of the first things I say to you is, I like your hair, what'd you do to it? It's true. When you get a haircut, I notice. I notice hair. And I always want to compliment people on their hair because y'all paid to get your hair done. And so, like, no one gets their haircut and don't want to be noticed. Right? Y'all ladies will spend 100 to 200 plus dollars to get your hair done for prom. That's one night. You know what I'm saying? You didn't just spend all that money for no one to compliment your hair. Right? She's going to hate this. Talissa got her hair done for graduation. True, right? She did. Her mom posted pictures about it. It actually looked like a great time. (laughs) But it honors God. In the same way that it makes you feel great when somebody compliments you, in the same way it makes you feel great when somebody says, hey man, hey, you did great today. Hey Judd, you did awesome at the game today. That was awesome. You were really funny. That'll make Judd feel great. Kiana, the way you led today, man, I could tell you love God when you worship. Is she going to cheese? Is she going to be like not be able to look at you? She might cry because it's like, yeah, thank you, Lord. But it makes you feel great. You know, in the same way, when we honor and we worship, it blesses God. It makes them feel awesome. It makes them feel great. Because this is a relationship. It's a relationship with God. And just in the same way that when he blesses and honors us, it makes us feel great. Do you know it's a two-way relationship, right? It really, it really is. It blesses God when you worship. It moves his heart when we sing and when we pray. But it doesn't just stop with lifting our voice. So he's saying, my lips will praise you. Thus, I will bless you. So it doesn't just stop with your voice. It continues to the lifting of our hands. Check it out. He says this, I will lift up my hands in your name. I will lift up my hands. See, the lifting of the hands was not only the common posture of prayer amongst the ancient Hebrews. That's how they pray. It was especially appropriate for praise. When we worship and we praise God, it's extremely appropriate for us to lift our hands. What does it do? It displayed the anticipation that's happening in our hearts. It's not just like Christian aerobics. You know what I'm saying? Like people, like worship pastors and worship leaders need to do a better job at explaining like why we lift our hands because some people just think like, oh, it's just what we do. Like if I ask one of the adults, why do you lift your hands? I'd be like, I don't know. Pastor Jason just tells me to do it all the time. Right, Pastor Jason? He's like, yeah. Like, I don't know. I just lift my hands, right? Pastor Jason likes to take time in the worship set to explain, hey, like God's in this place. Here's what God's saying right now. Here's what God is doing right now. And so if you ever wonder how to worship or why we worship, pay a little bit more attention at Belmont Assembly of God on Sunday mornings because more than likely, one of our worship leaders is gonna take the time to tell you. But when we lift our hands, you'll hear often, it's surrender, say surrender. Say anticipation. It displays an anticipation of greatly and gratefully receiving from God and the sense of surrender to Him. We lift our hands, we surrender. When we lift our hands, 
we receive? What are we surrendering? Right? What are we surrendering in the moment in God's presence? You know what I want to surrender when I'm in God's presence? All the not good stuff that's been happening in my life. All the things that I'm doing. God, you can have it. Because what you and I like to do is we like to take sin and we like to take stuff that bothers us and we like to hold on to it. Now I'm trying to surrender it. But I love that God just doesn't take those things from us and leave us empty as we pour ourselves out on him. But he fills us. So as we surrender, we receive. Say surrender. Surrender. Say receive. receive. That's what we do. That's why it's important to lift your hands. It's an outward expression of what God is doing on the inside. If you've never lifted your hands before, I want you to be brave as we respond to the altar tonight. Lift your hands, and I promise you, you're going to sense the Holy Spirit free you in your life. So we lift our hands in his name. Go to the next slide. It says, we lift our hands to receive and to surrender. When we worship God this way, when we bless God this way, it's not just a one-way thing. God, in return, gives us strength and glory, right? Like we learned last week. But we also find satisfaction in him. Check out this next line. He says this, my soul shall be what? As with what? Marrow and what? All right, pause, 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 pause. Pause right here for a second. I read this and I was like, I don't know what that means. Ooh, Bible school pastor Izzy doesn't know what marrow fatness. Yes, I didn't know what it means. So you know what I did? I had to text a friend of mine. I had to text, I had to text a friend. His name is Pastor Vocab. Pastor Vocab is a really good friend of mine. Last week, I kind of showed you guys some text messages we had back and forth. He was, I thought he was very helpful. Was he helpful for you guys? I think he was too. So Pastor Vocab and I had a chat. Go ahead, show us the first slide. So I said, hey, yo, marrow, fatness. He sent me an ellipsis back, and he says, are you calling me names? I was like, no, nah, man, like, why do you always think I'm trying to roast you? He, I said, no, nah, fam, like in the Bible, what do it mean? He said, hey, Pastor, is he nice to hear from you too? Okay, check it. All right. So I thought, I was like, Meryl Fatness, he thought I was calling him names. I was like, no, I'm not calling you names. Next slide. He dropped some knowledge on me. Check this out. He said, marrow is the nourisher and strengthener of the bones. And it is said to moisten the bones. The marrow of his bones is moistened. So look in Job chapter 21, 24. We kind of see some science. I believe in science. So I said, ha, moist. Who hates that word? Some people be hating the word. So I said, ha, moist. He said, focus. He said this, the fear of Yahweh. He sends me another verse to kind of give me some insight on how the Bible uses this term marrow and fatness. He says in Proverbs 3, 8, the fear of Yahweh will be health to thy navel and marrow, which in Hebrew means refreshing, moistening to thy bones. Oh, okay, you hit me with some knowledge. Nice slide. So I ghosted him again. I fell asleep. He said, you still there? I said, yeah, my bad. So I had a question. So God's love strengthens my bones, right? He says, sort of, kind of, yes. He said, remember, remember, marrow and fatness are used to describe God's love 
refreshing us down to our bones. Read that again. Marrow and fatness are used to describe God's love refreshing us down to our bones. God's love is deep, not shallow. So I said, I get it. God's love equals deep love. And that was it. That was our conversation. He's always so, say thank you, Pastor Vocab. He's always, he's watching right now. Thank you, I love you, bro. Thank you. Thank you for all these questions. How moist. Um, so what did we learn about marrow fatness? That it's used in scripture to describe God's deep love. So when we read right here, when we read, my soul shall be satisfied, say satisfied, satisfied. as with marrow and fatness, David spoke of the deep, deep satisfaction that comes in surrendered seeking of God, of receiving his great love, of praising God without reservation. This type of love isn't the love that you have for Starbucks. Although some of y'all be loving Starbucks. This love isn't the type of love not just for your family. Although that's great. And I'm not saying your love for your family is shallow. What I'm saying is there's nothing deeper than God's love. They use marrow and fatness and they use the word bone. is because y'all ever been so cold you can feel it in your bones? Like, you've been that cold? In that same way, God's love is so powerful, so great. Man, I want to feel it in my bones. I don't want God's love to just be on me. I want his love to be in me. Because what is on me can what? Come off. And so many of us come to church and we let God, you know, we allow to have the feelings and the worship and the experience portray itself as God's love. And it gets on us. But you leave through these doors and you go back outside and life kind of rains on your parade and washes that all away. And then what? Love is gone. But God's love, when you, when you, when you really receive it, when you allow God's love to penetrate your heart and go deep into your soul, when you allow God to strengthen your bones like marrow, then whatever happens out there can ever take away God's love from you. Can't ever take away the value that God puts on your life. So don't just feel God's love. Receive God's love, because God's love is a deep, deep love. Our last line says this, and the worship team can come. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. What is he saying here? David thought that there were not enough hours in the day to think about God's greatness and goodness. 24 hours, God, is not enough. You're too kind. You're too gracious. This is the same guy that is sitting in a dark, damp, gross, smelly cave. 
And he is saying, God, 24 hours isn't enough to bless you. Eight hours a day is not enough to bless you. Ten minutes a day is not a it's not enough to bless you and not enough to think about you. He is saying there are not enough hours. So because of his devotion and an obsession with God's presence and love, he also used not just the day, but he used the night watches to meditate upon God. Night watches basically means the late hours of the night to the early morning. There were, there were certain watches that guards would be up on the tower. David is saying, listen, not just during the day will I worship you, but when I'm lying on my bed, I'm meditating on you. That word meditate, I am thinking about you. I am processing things that you've done in my life. I, I am dwelling on your love for me. Yeah. This guy truly understood God's love and his kindness so much that he said, God, if I can't sleep, that's fine. I'll just think about you. There have been moments in my life where God will wake me up. It's true. The Holy Spirit would wake me up. And sometimes I won't get it right away. And sometimes I'll turn on the TV. Sometimes I'll like turn on the Xbox. I'll try to like lull myself back to sleep. But his Holy Spirit invades my space and there's a stirring in my heart and, and I take a step back and I say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me right now? Because I can't sleep. Obviously, you want to, you want to interrupt my sleep, so it better be good. I think God likes to do that at night because during the day, you're too busy for him. You're too busy to think about him. But I, never, I don't ever want to be too busy to think about God's love. I don't ever want to be too busy to worship and praise him. I don't ever want to be too busy to take just, just moments out of my day to lift my hands wherever my, I'm at and say, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your kindness towards me. I want to be like David. I want God's love to be so deep and so, so potent in my life that, that even in the hours of the night, I can't stop thinking about him. In the same way that you obsess over that girl, in the same way that you obsess over that guy, and you think about them all day and all night, man, that person didn't save you. Right. That person can't help you. That person can't deliver you. I'm not saying relationships are bad. I'm, say, I'm, say, I'm not saying that at all because I'm in one forever. You know what I'm saying? But what I am saying is, listen, as lovely and as amazing as my wife is, God is better. And he deserves my attention. And he deserves my focus because he saved me. He saw me in my mess. He saw me in my sin. He saw me in my filth. And he still chose me. When I think about that love, it breaks me over and over and over again. And I can't help but say, thank you, Lord. You could have, you could have turned away from me. You could, have, you could have abandoned me. You had every right to leave me alone. You could have, you could have every right to, 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 to be at arm's length, but instead your love wraps around me. And I didn't earn it. God, it just, it blows my mind and I can't help but think and meditate on it. That's what David is saying. He's saying, God, before the sun comes up, I want to talk to you. 
God, I love you so much that I can't sleep. I'd rather worship and pray than find a way back to go, uh, a way to go back to sleep. God, God, you can speak to me at any time, day or night, and I want to be ready. So as I wrap this up, what is better than life? What is better than life? What is better than every breath that comes out of your body? It's God's love and kindness. And maybe tonight you've never experienced that. Us as believers today, us as Christians, we can say we accept God's love and kindness because of one moment that happened in history. You may have heard about this guy and he's been a political debate and figure in mainstream media, but to me, he's my best friend. There's a man named Jesus. Those of you who are are Christ followers, I want you to listen because you have to be able to share this story with people. When people see you in your life and how you're somehow making it when all this stuff is going on and they ask you, how are you making it? You say, God's loving kindness is sustaining me. It's satisfying. They're going to say, how did you get that? We got love and kindness from God through a man named Jesus. And this Jesus healed thousands of people, fed thousands of people. It's in his word. There are things called gospels. And we read this life of Jesus who spent three years living for people. And he was perfect in every way. He's never sinned before. Never. And God said, hey, I need someone to give their life to pay for the sins of all these people. Because if someone doesn't do it, I'll be separated from them forever. And so what does he do? He sends his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our sins. But the story and the love and kindness doesn't stop there. It starts there. It was love and it was kindness for you that led Jesus to a cross to die for you. Three days later, Jesus was resurrected. And you and I were given an opportunity, a gift to receive love and kindness, a grace, a mercy that David experienced through the presence of God and that we can experience through the presence of God and the sacrifice and life of Jesus. You need, I'm telling you tonight, you need his love. You need his kindness. And I promise you, it is better than anything you've ever tasted. It is better than anything you've ever experienced. Don't just take my word for it. You can take the word for it. So here's what we're going to do. So you might take this. Here's what we're going to do. And we're over the time. So if you got to go, you got to go. But I want to do this. And I want to do this together. Can we all stand? And I want you to come and find a place here in the altar. Come on. Just make your way here now. I don't, want, I don't want anybody in their seats. I don't want anybody in their seats. I'm going to explain what's happening. We just talked about blessing the Lord. We just talked about lifting our hands, lifting up our voice, honoring God and song. And so that's what we're going to do. And I believe as they sing this song, I believe 
I believe that God is going to heal. God is going to free you. God is going to strengthen you. Some of us need strength right now. A, a strength that we can't find in the gym. A strength that we can't find in a good diet. A strength that can only come from God. If you have never met Jesus before and you are not a follower of Jesus, here's what you can do in this moment. You can say, hey God, it's me. I just need your help. And I believe God will do it right there. So can we do that? Can we just sing a little bit? Here's what, I don't want you to zone out. I don't want you to just stand there. Because God's love deserves your praise. God's love deserves your blessing. And I'll come up throughout the song to help coach this one. But go ahead, let's, let's worship right now.